one, the Red Tape Reduction Statutes Amendment Act 2022 that I will introduce in the legislature later today. In 2019, this government committed to reducing red tape by one third by 2023. We set out to reform the way we regulate, reducing government oversight where it is not necessary, reducing the cost of doing business and where possible, being flexible with the focus on achieving outcomes instead of prescribing specific actions or prohibitions. By doing this, we are fulfilling our promise to make life easier for Albertans and to make Alberta the most attractive destination for investment and job creation in North America. We've completed hundreds of red tape reduction initiatives that help job creators do what they do best, innovate, grow, and create jobs for hardworking Albertans. Many of these initiatives respond to ideas and recommendations that Albertans and Alberta businesses have shared with government through our nine industry panels and our Cut Red Tape website. This input has helped to inform and guide our work to make significant reductions in red tape. Bill 21, the Red Tape Reduction Statutes Amendment Act 2022 is the sixth red tape reduction bill that our government has brought forward since the beginning of our mandate. With this bill, we are continuing to make important legislative changes to support investment and economic growth, reduce unnecessary regulation, and improve the way we deliver services to Albertans. Specifically, this bill proposes changes to 15 pieces of legislation brought forward by nine departments. This includes supporting small business in Alberta by enabling the creation of intermunicipal business licenses, making it easier for mobile businesses to operate across the province. We are also speeding up the review and approval processes for municipal community revitalization levy bylaws, freeway designations and new freeway access locations to help municipalities move forward with economic development and revitalization. We are increasing the sustainability of rural utilities by allowing rural electrification associations to purchase one another and allowing rural utilities to add new lines of potential business. We are modernizing land surveying in Alberta, saving time and money for surveyors and their clients. And we are encouraging cooperatives to incorporate in our province by reducing onerous residency requirements for board of directors and updating legislation to support modern approaches to communications and operations. All of these changes support a more efficient way of regulating so that our businesses can continue to invest and create jobs, fueling Alberta's economic growth. Other changes in the bill will remove redundant and inefficient requirements that Albertans, Alberta businesses and other organizations currently must follow and replace them with more flexible and common sense ways of regulating. This includes allowing Alberta's heritage railways to operate under alternate rules that are better tailored to the needs of each operator, while of course still ensuring railway safety. We are also enabling more flexible and responsive oversight of Alberta pharmacies by allowing the Alberta College of Pharmacy to create and enforce standards of practice instead of addressing this through government regulation. We are also implementing a more nimble and less onerous approach to how we regulate people's activities on Crown land by creating locally specific directives and guidelines. We are supporting Albertans and organizations, Alberta and organizations in using electronic ways of doing business, applying learnings from processes we know worked well during the pandemic, 
For instance, we are modernizing the way livestock owners and veterinarians can report animal diseases to government, and we are allowing Alberta's landlords to return security deposits to tenants electronically. These may seem like small changes, but they make a big difference in the lives of hardworking, everyday Albertans. To this point, we are clarifying the areas where we do need to regulate by making our legislation more clear and easier for Albertans to understand and follow. We are ensuring municipalities and school boards have a clear set of rules in legislation that ensures the protection of personal information of local election candidates and campaign donors. And we are enabling facilities and foster parents to renew their license for a longer term, reducing the time spent on administrative tasks while still maintaining high safety standards. Finally, amendments to the Education Act will result in better outcomes for students by ensuring funding is spent on education supports and delivering learning services. Accredited, funded, private schools and private early childhood services operators play an integral role in the education system and legislative changes will provide clear expectations and eliminate unnecessary administration. These amendments will help create greater transparency around the use of public funding while enabling government to reduce the reporting requirements for private sources of revenue such as tuition. We are continuing to listen to Albertans and taking action to make it easier for Alberta businesses to operate and grow and for all Albertans to have improved access to the government services they need and we know there's even more work to do. The more red tape we cut, the more we ensure Alberta remains a destination of choice for investors, businesses, families and newcomers to Canada. This is why we will continue to identify, reduce and eliminate or streamline complicated processes that cause regulatory and administrative headaches for Albertans and Alberta businesses. And we continue to work with key industry representatives from Alberta's economic sectors, from large companies to small independent businesses to help us do that. I encourage all Albertans to continue contributing their ideas on where we can cut red tape by going to our website alberta.ca forward slash cut red tape. Reducing red tape is a key part of Alberta's recovery plan to create jobs, encourage investment and promote economic recovery. And we will continue to bring forward more legislative reform that reduces and eliminates unnecessary red tape, making life better for Albertans. Thank you. Happy to take your questions. All right. So with that, we'll start with the reporters in the room. Um, just a reminder to state your name and the outlet, outlet you are with, and then we will move over to the phones. So, Tom, go ahead. Hi, Tom Vern from Global News. I want to start on the Cooperatives Act. I would assume when these were introduced to, to have a majority of Canadian or um, residents on these cooperatives, it was to have some form of local knowledge and, and local concerns met. By removing these restrictions or, or lowering them entirely, lowering them, are we not losing this local knowledge and, and local decision-making on these cooperatives? Yeah, so the cooperatives, uh, by doing this, we're enabling the cooperatives to choose the most qualified candidates to serve as directors, regardless of where they live, while still ensuring the local representation. And it was actually discussions with cooperatives that revealed a strong desire to retain at least some local representation. Um, and the 25% requirement uh, to have that local representation um, aligns with similar provisions in the Federal Canada Cooperatives Act, as an example. 
Do you have a follow-up, Tom? Yeah, going to the Municipal Government Act on the business license changes. What, what sort of businesses would this would this impact? Are we looking at like taxis and Uber, or what, what what sort of stuff are we looking at here? Yeah, sorry, Tom. Just give me a minute here. You're you're referring to the um... sorry the. Uh, Cooperate, establish one business license for multiple municipalities. Got it. Yeah, yeah, great, great question. An example that comes to mind there would be food trucks. Um, so sometimes uh, mobile businesses such as food trucks operate in many different jurisdictions across uh, the province, and this just saves them time and money having to apply for multiple licenses in multiple jurisdictions. All right. With that, we Thanks, will Tom. go to the lines. Operator, can you please put through the first caller? Thank you, Janet French, CBC. Hi there. Um, just a question about independent schools no longer being required to report any of their non-public revenue. Did they ask for this and why? So thanks for that question, Janet. Um, so the folk, the, with the respect to eliminating the collection of financial data, um, such as tuition, that's because it does not support um, it, it's it not they're not public dollars so because uh, tuition is not use of uh, public dollars or taxpayer dollars um, that's why uh, we're not looking for that to to have to be reported the focus of this bill is increasing accountability on the reporting of how we're using public funds and public dollars did you have a follow-up Janet I do, by that logic, I mean, why not just tell all the post-secondaries in Alberta that they don't have to report any of their other non-public revenue? It just seems like it seems to set a double standard for independent schools. Yeah, well, the focus of, of this red tape uh, reduction bill is is on the the private schools, um, the the private uh, the early private early childhood services and independent schools. Um, I would refer your other questions around post-secondary inst institutions to uh, Minister Nicolaides. All right, operator, can you please put through the next caller? Michelle Belfontaine, CBC. Uh, yeah, hi, Minister. I wanted to follow up on what my colleague just asked about the... Um, you say that, that on the private schools, you're saying that you're, only, you're not interested in knowing about the private funding. Um, that these, because the tuition that these, these, these institutions are charging because it's private funding... But one would argue that these institutions have 70% of their funding coming from public sources. So is it in the public interest and the government's interest to know how much these schools are charging for uh, tuition? I, I think that that would be something that the government would want to know, wouldn't it? Uh, again, uh, Michelle, I would say that the focus of this is increasing accountability on how public funds are used. I, as a taxpayer, I'm sure you as a taxpayer, um, you want to make sure that you uh, know how your public dollars are being spent and that there's uh, increasing uh, accountability and review of that, um, less so than on, on private dollars such as tuition. And did you have a follow-up, Michelle? Yeah, I do have a follow-up. Minister, there's a lot of people that would say that why are my... Why are my taxpayer dollars going to fund private schools? So, I mean, I, I'm not sure how this is, you're being accountable to the public purse when these particular institutions get public funds and yet charge tuition as well. So, so that, that, that's, that's the question. So school choice is a part of what 
makes our education system strong and allows parents to select the method they feel will best help their child reach their full potential. Um, and Alberta's education system has a number of delivery methods, including public and separate schools, charter schools, independent schools, and home education. And independent schools do continue to receive 70% of the base instruction funding provided to public schools and do not receive infrastructure funding. Uh, independent schools and private ECS operators represent 6% of the student population and the proportion of funded funding directed to them is less than 4% of the education budget. So the proposed amendments um, in Bill 21 assure that we have appropriate accountability for public funds used in our education system uh, versus non-public, non-taxpayer dollars such as tuition. All right, operator, can you please put through the next caller? Catherine Grakowski, Alberta Today. Well, thanks for taking my question. So on the Crown land use, I, I understand that land users were asking for a more decentralized local type of model, but now if I'm going to uh, recreate on Crown land, there's going to be different rules everywhere, and I'm going to have to look up those um, individual rules each time I head out, say, hunting or something. So how is that an elimination of red tape to have a bunch of different rules for different locations? Thanks for that question. Um, because we think that a location-based, uh, rules based on location, use-specific, um, place-based regulations actually allow more flexibility while, of course, still maintaining protections on Crown lands versus a one-size-fits-all, the same rule applies to everywhere. We want to have common sense, flexibility, and tailor uh, solutions to the needs of a specific area. So, for example, if we've got um, working dogs or herding dogs, I think they're called, on, on Crown lands, maybe there are certain areas, depending on the number of people or, or wildlife on that Crown land, where it makes more sense for that working dog to be off-leash or on-leash. Um, so we want to provide the whole... And the bigger picture of red tape reduction is providing um, more common sense, flexible, uh, easier way of, of, of life for, for businesses and Albertans and providing that flexibility around specifically what the activity is on that Crown land, we think aids in that goal. And did you have a follow-up? Yeah, I have a follow-up on some of my other colleagues' questions about the private schools. So I'll use an analogy like charities, for instance, maybe they get some government grants, maybe they get corporate donors, private donors, they still have to publish um, their accounted funding in a public report annually. It's not just that they have to give, uh, like, the corporations that donate to them a report and only the government grants made public. So why is less transparency for all but the parents paying tuition better when we are giving public money to schools? Why is less transparency better? Well, I'll reiter thank you for that follow-up, and I'll reiterate what I said before. Um, our focus with this bill is on increasing accountability on how the public funds are used. Uh, we recognize that a vast majority of private schools and private ECS operators are doing a great job. However, recent uh, reviews by department staff and external auditors have revealed um, some issues around the financial management and government practices of some providers, and therefore we're taking action. We're, we're listening to that information, we're taking action, and we're, the focus of this bill, again, is on increasing that accountability around the use of public taxpayer dollars, not private dollars. 
and uh, if I would refer you to uh, the Minister of Education um, if you want to further elaboration on that. All right, operator, can you please put through the next caller? Lisa Johnson, Edmonton Journal. Hi, Minister. Thanks for taking my question. I'm wondering if you can explain from the government point of view, from from your point of view, why you're moving towards pharmacies or pharmacists policing themselves. Um, obviously, we know that the government is moving towards um, a different model for the ATA, for example, um, in in uh, in in terms of teacher discipline. So, what why is the reason for uh, what what is the reason for the government? kind of opening uh, the door for the Alberta College of Pharmacy to create and enforce its own standards instead of those being required through government legislation. Thanks for the question. Um, so these amendments, um, as it relates to the Alberta College of Pharmacy, um, they fall under that umbrella of reducing red tape because we want to create a more modern pharmacy system that is increasingly flexible and responsive and which better serves um, Albertans' needs. Um, so specifically, these changes would allow uh, the Alberta College of Pharmacy to more effectively oversee pharmacies by um, enabling uh, the college to create standards that reflect evolving pharmacy practices and services, and the new standards could be readily adapted to meet the changing needs of patients uh, and to respond to major issues and events such as um, pandemics or, or drug shortages. Uh, the focus of, of this bill um, is uh, in terms of the, the college is the Alberta College of, of Pharmacy. Um, and so that's what I can comment on here. For the other uh, association, you could I will defer, refer you to the Minister of Health. And did you have a follow-up? Uh, sure. Just to go back to some of my colleagues' questions about private schools, why is it that private schools are asking to not have to report on their tuition? Right? I presume that they've asked for this and, and that this is creating an efficiency for them. So why is that important to them and why do you think that it's important to meet that demand? Yeah, so let me follow, let, uh, we'll follow up with you on that one in terms of um, specifically what was, was asked for them there. I don't know, I, let me, I don't have the exact specific answer for you on that, so we'll follow up with you on that. All right, operator, can you please put through the next caller? Dean Bennett, Canadian Press. Hi, Minister. Yeah, I have the same question that my other colleagues do. Uh, I mean, philosophically, how does this make sense? These private schools get to, to, to not tell you how much they're charging, yet they still get the base amount of funding. I mean, so they could actually rack up quite a bit of money, and, and maybe they don't need all that 70% base funding. Uh, I, just, I don't understand this. How does this make... If they're going to take public money, they need to be publicly accountable. How does this make them publicly accountable? So they're publicly accountable by the fact that they are responsible for accountability on the use of their public funds. So for public dollars, uh, public funds, they are accountable on, on where they spend that. Uh, they're not, um, uh, when it comes to uh, over, oversight of public dollars, uh, that's important. That's why we're increasing the accountability. On the tuition side, I reiterate, those are private dollars. But again, I would encourage you uh, to follow up with the, the Minister of Education on that. And Dean, did you have a follow-up? Yeah, Minister, with respect, why do you keep giving us talking points on this? I mean, this is a pretty basic, this is a fundamental question. What, do you not know, Minister? Why, why would you not answer this question? So I am answering the question, and the question, again, is the, the focus of this bill is on increasing accountability on the public funds, the taxpayer dollars, not on the, the private sources of income such, or funds such as the tuition. Uh, and again, I would refer you to the Minister of Education for more information on that. 
everyone. That wraps up the event for today.